hey, if we haven't met, my name is Nathan. How you doing? Um, I'm around here on staff with Salt Company. We've got one kind of big headline announcement that I want you to hear. Um, our summer trip applications are due tonight, 11.59. If you've been sleeping on it, if you've been putting it off, if you've been waiting, um, fill those out tonight after Salt Company. Go home, fill it out. Even if you're not entirely sure if, if next summer going to East Asia for a couple months, going on one of these trips, if you're not sure if that's the right thing for you, why not fill out an application? Like, why not leave that door open, have the interview with us, and, and talk through the possibility? Like, filling out the application doesn't, isn't a guarantee, like, you're for sure going, shipping you out, bye-bye, right? But, but, it, but it's leaving the door open to have the conversation of, like, man, what, what might God do in your life next summer? And there are a few times in life where you, you have a couple months free to go across the world and hang out, right? There, there are a few times in life where you actually get the chance to go for a couple months and, and engage with people this intentionally with the gospel. So what, what would hold you back from going this coming summer? Like what, what would hold you back from filling out an application um, to see about going and just having that conversation with us as staff? Um, I wanna challenge you with that tonight because man, it's worth it. And I, I went on two summer teams and both were really good and really hard and full of crazy stories that I can't begin to explain to you. Um, and I look back and I say, that was worth it. God was doing something in me and through me. I grew. I grew like crazy, right? In fact, gro growth is actually something we're going to be talking about tonight. I, I'm making the assumption that everyone in here wants to grow. Like just in life in general, all of us, I think, have this sense where we want, we want to grow, we want to change, we want to develop in life. You might not have like a growth mindset of like, all right, gains, all about the gains, let's keep going, right? But but, but I think there are a lot of things in life where you, you are pursuing growth, advancement, change, development in some way. To grow is human, right? When we stop growing, we start decaying. The opposite of, of growth is decay and death. When you, when you think about growth, it might, be, it might be a goal that you're trying to grow toward. It's a workout goal. It's some kind of goal personally in your life. Maybe growth, you wouldn't call it that, but it's, it's trying to get through this class that you're in. You want to get pass this test. Maybe when you think about growth, you're thinking about the next stage of life. Man, I can't wait to be done with this so I can be off to that. The, all of these things are, are part of how we're wired to desire growth in life, right? We, we from the time we're, we're conceived, we begin to grow and grow until we feel, feel the effects of decay in our lives. You're not there yet, right? You're, you're growing. Whether you're a Christian or, or not tonight, you're growing. Whether the biggest aspiration of growth you have in your life is the next level of your video game, you want to grow. You want to you move beyond where you're at now to the next place, right? We're, we're, talking, about, we're talking about growth tonight. But here's the thing. Um, I think if, if you would call yourself a Christian tonight, even if you're not a Christian but you're, but you're spiritually sensitive, you want to grow in, in your faith, your spirituality, or at least, you, at least you, you feel like you should say that you want to, Right? Like if, if faith is as important of a, a thing as we make it out to be, if faith is, is so vital to our lives, we should want to grow in our faith. But, but the reality of the day in and day out is so many other things crowded out, right? Like you know you, you should grow, you know, you know you want to grow in your faith, but if I asked you, are you growing? I wonder if maybe your answer would be, I hope so. I don't really know. Man, I'm trying, but it, but it feels like this other stuff gets in the way. 
In fact, I think one of the issues might be you, you might not even know exactly how to grow. Like, okay, there are spiritual disciplines I should do, I should read my Bible, I should, I should do that stuff, but, but, but is that really like accelerating my growth? Am, am I growing right now? How do I know? How can I tell if I'm growing? In our passage tonight, we'll be in the first half of Ephesians 4, we're actually gonna see kind of this like secret sauce to our growth, right? This, like something that's been under our noses the whole time, something really important for your growth in faith, this, this aspect of life that is, that is vital and critical, especially if you're a believer, it's core to your identity and existence. We're gonna see a powerful means of growth that God has given us that you might have not realized. You might have not seen it up till now. This might actually unlock the next stage in your growth in faith if you have eyes to see it. We're gonna be in in Ephesians 4, verses one through 16. Let me me give you a little bit of context here. Ephesians, this book is kind of broken into two halves. It's kind of like two wings of a plane. Chapters one through three are kind of theological, not, not really application, but it's like this is what God has done for you. And chapters four, five, and six are like, okay, now, based on what God has done, here's how you obey, here's how you step into it, right? But God's action comes first, God's work comes first, God shows up on the scene to save, and then he invites us to respond in light of what he's done. So, so we're hitting this hinge where it's gonna turn more towards practical, okay, in light of that, now this, right? So let me read Ephesians four, verses one through three. Paul writes, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you, think about that strongly, he's, he's urging, he's pleading, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. He's saying, okay, you've been called, this incredible good news of what Jesus has done on the cross, you've been called by that now, I want you to do what? I want you to, to walk to walk in a manner worthy. Like, I just want you to to walk like that stuff is real and true in your life. And when he describes what that walk looks like, he he uses character kind of language, right? So he says things like humility, gentleness, patience. There's this ability to bear with other people. There's an eagerness and a desire to maintain unity. Someone say unity. We talked about this a few weeks ago might feel like eternity after the fall retreat, right? But, but unity, the second half of chapter two talks all about this unity we have in Christ. Paul's coming back to this theme as a key to how we walk in a manner worthy. So, so again, verse two lists what it looks like and it's all, all kind of character things, right? It's, it's the stuff that, that kind of comes out of who you are. It's like when you're pricked, what's gonna come out? Is, is humility gonna come out or pride? Is gentleness gonna come out? Is patience gonna come out? Or, or frustration, anger, arrogance, hot-headedness? Are you eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace? Or are you, are you chasing after other things? We, we have a call in light of the gospel and, and the first thing we're starting to see is that how we go about this call matters. Our character in this process matters. Who you are, the, the, the way that you respond in situations in life, that matters. Your character is essential here. It's a call to be a kind of person. That's, that's part of this, this growth process. When you think about growth, maybe, maybe first you started thinking about like your disciplines. 
Okay, how often am I reading my Bible? Am I doing it every day? Or how often am I sharing the gospel? Am I doing that enough? But those things are important, but your character, your character matters deeply to God. He doesn't just want you doing a set of things. He actually cares about the kind of person that you are, the kind of person he's shaping you to be. Here's another interesting thing about these traits. Look, look back at them, look up, look up on the screen. Can you live any of those traits out by yourself? Not really, right? Like now, it's really easy to be patient when there's no one around and nothing going on, right? Like I am super patient when I'm taking a nap until I get woken up, right? And then I am not patient anymore. I actually almost missed D group because I like woke up from this hour long nap and I looked at my alarm clock and I was frustrated immediately because I couldn't tell what day it was. Have you had those kinds of naps? You know what I'm saying? Like, you sleep so hard that you're not sure, okay, is it four in the morning or four at night? I can't, I can't tell, so I'm, I'm working on that. I'm gonna get back on caffeine in a minute here, but um, none, of, none of these character attributes are, are the kinds of things that you can live out solo. So, so your character matters deeply to God, but the, the character being expressed is a community kind of character. You need other people around you. Your humility is gonna come out in response and relationship with other people. Those situations where you're tempted to boast, where you're tempted to talk about how, how well you've been doing in connection group when, when you wanna be the first person to speak so that people can hear what you've been up to. Gentleness with other people, patience, all, all of these things. Character matters, but it's a, it's a community kind of character that Paul is highlighting. Walking in a manner worthy of the gospel, part of the goal of that growth looks like your character in community. Okay. We're seeing the goal, we're seeing kind of the context, and now Paul's going to give us some motivation. He's going to give us actually a rich theological foundation. Why should this matter? Why should unity matter? Why should our character in community matter? Look at verses four, five, and six. Here's what he says. There's one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. He, he repeats, there's, there is one. There is one, there is one, there is one God. There's one way to that God through Christ. There's one spirit. He's, he's kind of listing every single aspect he can think of of our spiritual lives, of our, of our life with God, and he's saying, look at that. There, there's only one. That, that's a foundation for our unity. You can't get more unified than one. Here's, here's why this matters. He's talking to the Ephesian believers. He's talking to us, too. He's saying, man, you know, you know those rich times of reading the Bible? We feel like, man, it's coming alive and God is speaking to me? That's beautiful and personal that you're having, too, and God is speaking through his word to all kinds of believers. He's been speaking to believers for, for now thousands of years. So that beautiful, rich, unique individual relationship you're having is part of a community of faith, a community experience. In fact, we don't read this book in isolation only. We, we bring that and we, we digest that in community. He's saying, man, you know those times where, where you feel like you and the Holy Spirit are like this, right? Like you're, you're riding shotgun, the Holy Spirit's got the wheel. You, you feel like you're being convicted about fresh things or comforted in fresh ways. Your, your relationship with the Spirit feels so close. 
that same Holy Spirit is, is living in other believers. Like if you're sitting in a row right now with other believers, you have the Holy Spirit living in you, and they do too. Like it's, it's this crazy contrast of, of again, individual, special, unique that you have and, and shared with community. When you cry out desperately to God, maybe in some deep struggles in your life, when, when you cry and you say, God, Father, why is this happening? Father, why is this, this sin just, why can't I beat it in my life? You also can know that there are other believers calling out to that same Father, maybe actually on your behalf, maybe actually praying for you. And you can know that, that your sins and struggles aren't unique to you that you're part of a family of other believers that, that also struggle, but also meet with God through his grace. He, he lays out the entire foundation of, of our faith and he goes, man, every single aspect of it has this, this beautiful individual component, but this incredible community coming together. Even, even baptism. Some of you guys are getting baptized on the 11th, which is gonna be sick. Um, if, you, if you know somebody that's coming on the 11th, even if you don't, 17th? Never, hey, it's the 17th. Come on the 17th. Come on the 11th too, but 17th? All right, thank you. Yeah, Trevor didn't say anything. Okay. Um, okay, the 17th. Think about baptism. We, we do baptisms right here, okay? Put your eyes right there on that ground. There, there's going to be a, a trough right there full of water, hopefully warm, um, and there's going to be a moment of somebody declaring their allegiance to Jesus it's an individual act of obedience saying, okay, Jesus, you're my Lord, and, and I'm telling people that. But nobody baptizes themselves, right? And, and you don't get baptized in secret or in private if you can help it. We, we get baptized as, as a community affirmation. There's, there's one Lord, one baptism. It's individual, but it's community together. So as we're talking about growth, we, we're starting to see a little bit that, that what God is trying to poke at in our growth is our character. But it's our character expressing community. And even the foundations of all of our faith are, are individual. Your growth personally matters, but it's also a community affair. You, you, you can't separate those things out. They're, they're messy. They're tied together. They, they work out together. That might, be, that might be tough for us. Like we live in a culture that is very individualistic. We live in a culture that, that is so swimming in the stream of me and I that it can be hard to see how our actions affect other people sometimes. Like we are shaped day in and day out in ways that we don't even understand to view our faith and our life as, as solo, as personal, as private. Maybe you've even tried to talk with somebody about faith and they go, okay, that's between me and God, right? That, that's private. We, we don't talk about that. We don't go there. That's the culture we live in. But our growth is tied to something that busts through that culture. Like maybe you're even nervous to open up at connection group or, or nervous to come because you're, you're scared of what happens when you start to open up your faith in community. But we're starting to see while your personal relationship with God is vital and matters, it happens in the context of community. Your growth isn't gonna happen if you're trying to grow solo. We need each other, we need community. If you try to go it alone, 
If you try to live your Christian life solo, you're actually depriving yourself of what God has for you. You, you are missing out and you might not even know it. So unity is part of this growth. Unity is part of, of this the opportunity God is putting in front of us. And we, and we talked a few weeks ago, unity isn't a passive thing, right? Paul in, in verse three says, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There's gotta be this eagerness and a desire because man, when, when we let it drift, we drift towards isolation, don't we? Like if you're not intentional about confessing your sin or talking about your struggles, it's way easier to drift towards just being, being shut up by yourself, be, being isolated, being, being pulled back. It's not natural to start letting people into some of those things. Unity is an active affair, not, not a passive affair. You gotta lean in and choose it. Unity is hard, but it's worth it. Uh, okay, so, so we're, we're hitting this interesting tension, individual but community, right? Paul's actually gonna make that tension a little bit more spicy, okay? He's gonna get into how God has actually intentionally made us different. I said spicy, yep, you heard it right, write that down, spicy. Okay, unity would be a lot easier if we were all the same, right? But it wouldn't be as spicy, come on. Unity, unity would be a lot easier if everyone acted the same, dressed the same, thought the same, talked the same, but that would be a very boring, bland unity and that's not the kind of unity that he's talking about here. That's not the kind of unity that God actually wants from his people. In fact, he designed it to have diversity. Look at verse seven. He introduces a but in here, a changing course. But grace was given to each one of us, each one of us individually, like you personally in Christ, according to the measure of Christ's gift. Here's what he's saying there. God is is gifting us. God is is showing up through Christ. He's gifting us by grace, but, but Jesus is measuring out what that looks like for each one of us. He's gonna get into the idea He's glancing over the idea of spiritual gifts. That's a big old topic. We're not gonna unpack the whole thing here, but, but one of the things we need to see is that Jesus in his grace is actually gifting us personally and differently. You're gifted, you're wired in ways, even your experiences in life, your background, all of that interpreted through, through Christ's grace is for a purpose, but it's gonna be different than other people's. We're not all gifted the same. Actually, Christ is the one that determines it. So, so we don't pick what gifts we have. We don't choose how much of a gift we have. No other person can, can gift us like this. There's a kind of gifting that only comes from Jesus and only comes in the measure and proportion that he chooses to give you personally. Look at verses eight and nine. He's gonna, he's gonna give us a little more, eight through 10. Therefore, it says, he's kind of quoting um, Psalm 68 a little bit. He says, when he ascended, when Jesus ascended on high, he led a host of captives. He gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Look back at verse eight. So, so again, he's, he's quoting a verse in Psalm 68, but the early Christians, they kind of tweaked this verse a little bit to be more Jesus-focused. They saw it as a promise fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus ascended on high like a king conquering. He leads this host of captives. 
A, a king that would come and conquer would, would lead a whole multitude of people that he had taken, maybe into slavery, maybe into servitude. Part of his victory is leading this whole host of people. But Jesus doesn't take a bunch of slaves. He actually frees us from our slavery and bondage. He frees us to be with him. We were captives, but we're no longer captives. We're, we're drawn up into his victory over sin and Satan and death. And along with giving us this victory, along with giving us part of his victory, he gives gifts to men. Gifts of his, his spirit, gifts of his presence, but also gifts for us to express in community, in the body. Again, this isn't a message where I can get into ideas all about spiritual gifts and, and Christians disagree about what that looks like. But we all have to agree that, that God actually chooses to gift us and empower us in some ways. The Bible is really clear, even if you disagree with what exactly that looks like, he purposefully and intentionally gifts us. You can read Romans 12 if you need to. You can read 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. We're gonna actually hit some, some gifts a little bit in this passage here, but, but he's intentionally gifting us as freed people. In verses nine through 10, Paul is just unpacking Jesus' ascension in light of his death. Maybe your translation where it says he, he descended into the lower regions, mine goes comma the earth. Yours might say in the lower regions of the earth. It, it's two different ways of translating the same Greek phrase, but basically saying, man, Jesus descended in death. He was literally physically, bodily buried in death. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't a magic trick. He didn't disappear. He died, and that's what makes his victory so much more amazing. He, he didn't just like crush his enemies and, and then ascend to heaven. He actually died and then crushed his enemies. That's pretty tough, right? He ascends in victory over death. He's the only one to do it. Jesus literally and physically died and rose to life, showing victory over death in his ascension. And in his ascension, he says he's gifting the people that he's freed. So if you're in Christ, he's gifted you. If you're in Christ, he actually has gifted you with spiritual gifts, with, with capacities, with experiences, all through his grace for a purpose that's part of your growth. Learning to lean into what he's doing in your life. He's gonna show us what that means a little bit, okay? Look at verse 11. He's gonna give kind of an example of this. It says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. These are kind of different roles within the church. Some would say they're, they're different gifts. Some people are, are gifted with, with special teaching abilities or, or abilities as an evangelist. Different roles that you can maybe even see sort of as almost like offices in a church. So you don't have to work for a church to be gifted in these ways, but if, but if you're thinking about it, you might be thinking of people paid to be in ministry that have these roles, okay? So verse 11 is talking about how, okay, there are some people with certain roles and certain gifts for what purpose? Verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood or a personhood, you just talk about growing in maturity, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Let me, let me kind of summarize what's going on here, okay? He, he said, unity matters, your character and community matters. We gotta fight for unity, but Jesus has intentionally set it up so that we are different and diverse. 
By his grace, he has intentionally gifted you with different gifts, experiences, backgrounds, all of those things. He's done it for a purpose. So he gives this example. There there are people set aside to do the the work of the ministry, people on staff at a church, like, like me, okay? But here's the job description. Here's what my job description is as a shepherd of you guys. To equip. Who am I equipping? The saints. Who are the saints? Yeah, point yourself if you're a Christian. Like, the, the saints are, are, are the believers. Okay, okay, so, so these roles are there to equip the believers for what? Someone say if, they, if you see it. All right, someone say ministry. Say a little louder, say ministry. These roles in the church are meant to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Let me, let me just tell you this straight up. My job is to equip you to do ministry. My job is not to do ministry. Well, I mean, it's kind of do ministry, but like, you know what I'm saying. Like, the goal and the purpose that God has given certain gifts in the church, certain roles in the church, is actually to equip all believers to do the work of the ministry. Like, if you're in Christ, you actually have a call to ministry. It might not look like a formal job description, but you actually have an important role to play in the kingdom. The, the work of the ministry is building up the body of Christ and, and leaning towards this maturity, right? Building up the body is part of what growth looks like. That could be people coming to know Jesus in your connection groups or from your classes. Uh, or, or attaining the unity of the faith and knowledge of the Son of God, you growing personally to love Jesus and walk with him faithfully, to be shaped. Part of your growth is gonna come when you actually accept the ministry that God has given you. When you actually begin to see ministry not as something those people do or, or something you participate in, but actually something that's on your shoulders too, something you are called to personally. My job is to equip you for ministry. Your job is to minister for the purpose of unity and growth in the body. You have a responsibility. So, so in this community, if we don't have each other, we're not gonna grow. And if you don't take that responsibility, we are not gonna grow. He says, until we reach the, the full measure of Christ, I think he's talking about when Jesus returns, right? You have a lifetime call to ministry, okay? Unless Jesus comes back before you die. But, but your growth is linked to you taking responsibility for the ministry, for your role here. Let me finish our passage in 14 through 16. He's gonna give some more implications of this. So that... Like, th- this, is, this is what we're hoping for when we begin to step into this together so that we may no longer be children. We want, we want to grow, we want to mature, we want to, we want to get past our childlike phase. What are children like? They're, they're tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, by people trying to, to take your attention off of Jesus and onto other things, by people trying to take your money and your resources and, and, and giving you false promises that God hasn't given. We're gonna mature and grow past those things as we're rooted in Christ. Verse 15, rather, 
Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is in the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it's equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow, so it builds itself up in love. Growth, growing together, building ourselves up together through Jesus' power. Guys, the, the idea that we need to get from our passage when we're, when we're thinking about our growth and thinking about our unity is this. Growth in Christ flows from our unity in Christ. Growth in Christ flows from our unity in Christ. Your unity with other believers in Christ matters to your growth. You are not gonna experience the kind of growth God has for you unless you find yourself in community. And the purpose of this is, is maturity. The purpose of this is, is mission. The purpose of this is, is seeing Jesus do incredible things among us as we, as we express the gifts he's given us. And our foundation for this is Jesus' victory, right? We, we don't grow to try to earn God's love. We grow as a response to God's love. We don't grow to try to, to join up with God's victory if we somehow make it to a certain level. No, 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 Jesus won the battle. Jesus won the victory on the cross and, and from that victory, he's inviting us into freedom to walk with him, to walk worthy of the calling we've already received. Chapter four doesn't come until he spends chapters one through three just dump trucking us with the gospel, the good news of what Jesus has done. Your growth matters, but your growth comes after Jesus' victory for you. You don't need to try to grow to prove something to God or other people. You don't need to try to grow to try to earn a place in God's kingdom. If, you, if you're in Christ, that's already assured. But friend, maybe for you, the, the growth that you wanna see in your faith has been lacking because you haven't accepted Jesus' victory. Maybe the growth that you've, you've really wanted to see and you've been struggling for in your life, maybe that hasn't actually come because you're so busy trying to prove something to God or earn a place in God's kingdom that you haven't actually accepted the invitation he's given you. Have you accepted his victory for you? Have you accepted his love where you're at right now in your immaturity and your struggle? Have you accepted his love for you? If not tonight, you can do that. Let Halloween be like your, your spiritual birthday, right? That would be an easy one to remember. Tonight, accept that victory and begin a life of growth in community, in the body that God's given us together. If you're a believer, if you've accepted that victory, are you, letting, are you actually letting that victory fuel your growth through community? Are you letting other believers in to help shape you even when it's uncomfortable even when you bump up against the frustrations of, of a diverse community? Are you eager for unity? Or are you trying to just be me and Jesus? There's one Savior, and it's me and him hanging out. Here's some implications I think we need to wrestle with from this passage. Here's what you need to wrestle with tonight as we, as we think about this, this passage. First, I want you to ask, where do you need to grow? Maybe put aside the other growth goals you've got in your life or, or, or the next life stage you want to be at. Forget that for a minute and, and go back to your character. Where actually would the Spirit convict you and provoke you that you need growth? 
What are those ugly things that come up when you get around other people? Maybe it's your selfishness, or your insecurity, your pride. Where do you need to grow? I want you to ask yourself, in your heart of hearts, is diversity in our community or in your connection group, is that desirable? Is that a benefit to you or is that a bummer? Like, do you dislike being around people that are not quite like you because it's just harder? God has gifted us and is continuing to gift us with incredible diversity in our unity. We're unified by the most true and real foundations we could ever have. If we are in Christ, we are unified. No matter what our backgrounds, no matter what our ethnicities, no matter what our histories, no matter what our gifts, no matter what our struggles, if we are in Christ, then we, we are one, one family and one body. And we get to learn to live that out together in ways that are countercultural. Is that kind of diversity in your community, in the body, is that a benefit or a bummer to you? Let me ask you, are you in community? Like, are you showing up? Are, are you showing up and getting into community or are you full of excuses? There will always be work. There will always be homework. I mean, hopefully you'll graduate at some point, right? But I keep like finding myself having things I have to do that always come up when it's connection group time, right? There, there will always be things pushing you and pressuring you to not be in community. There will always be a road trip next weekend. There will always be something. Are you showing up? You can't experience community in the body if you don't show up. And when you show up, are you active? Are you eager for unity or are you passive? Like, are you showing up because you're ready for, for ministry to happen? Because God has, has called you with a lifelong calling to be part of building up the body. Or are you showing up going, okay, we'll see what someone can give me tonight. We'll see what I, I can get out of this. Imagine being part of a connection group where everyone showed up and they said, man, I wanna get active. I, I want to fight for this community. I wanna fight for these people. Are you active or are you passive? You have a call to ministry. Our passage says so. And I just wanna take a minute, I, I don't do this often enough. I wanna say salt leaders, man, thank you. Like salt community leaders, you guys are setting a pace in this already. You're not paid to do it. You're, you're giving up your time. You're giving up a lot of time to take on the call of ministry and to fight for unity. I, I think you're probably experiencing some crazy growth in your life, especially through struggles especially through hardships. When you get on the front lines with Jesus, you begin to experience a growth that you, you never expected in your life. And it tests you, right? Like there, there's nothing like seeing your selfishness and pride when it's like, all right, I'm going to connection group for others and not for me, right? Every week. But, but when we start to get on the front lines of ministry with Jesus, when you, when you accept the calling that he has on your life, you're gonna to begin to experience growth that you have never seen before. That you have never even dreamed of before your character changing to be more like Jesus. Our growth in Christ is gonna flow out of this active, intentional unity. Mission is gonna happen and maturity is gonna happen in your life when you step up and fight for this kind of unity. When you take up the ministry God has for you. Who do you want to grow to be? We're talking character, right? Who do you want to grow to be? Think for a minute. 
I dream about what this salt company could be. I dream about the kind of diversity that we could have here. Not, not a cheap diversity, not a tokenism, not, not doing lip service, but actual, real, beautiful diversity in this place of, of backgrounds, experiences, ethnicities, gifts, all of it together with one Lord and one Savior. The kind of incredible unity that comes from being on mission together. The kind of incredible unity that comes from seeing the things we have in life as, as more foundational and more important than anything else. Imagine the kind of growth that we could have together when we begin to live that out and reflect Christ to the world. Paul writes, Man, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it's equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so it builds itself up in love. Imagine if we were building ourselves up in love as a reflection of Christ's love to us. That can happen. You have a vital part to play in that. Your ministry, your part of this community matters. And when you step into that, you will see growth like you've never experienced. And what we'll find is we'll begin to start walking in a manner worthy of our calling. And let's pray that Jesus makes that happen more and more in us and through us together. Let's pray. Jesus, our our growth is gonna flow through the community and through the unity that we have in you. May you, you set it up this way that that we would live in this tension between the, the diversity of gifts and experiences of personalities, all that, and the unity we have in you. You designed it like this. You didn't make any mistakes in designing it like this. You didn't slip up. This isn't a plan B. This was your plan A. That as you brought us into your family, that this family would be, would be incredible. And that we could reflect your character to the world as you shape our character. So tonight, I pray that you'd, you'd begin giving us bigger dreams of what you have for us. I pray that you begin giving us bigger dreams of how we can grow to be part of, of what you have. We wanna see you move, Jesus. We wanna see you move badly. But thank you that, that you've loved us and in your victory invited us into what you're about. We pray these things in your name. Amen.